This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you, 403-974-8255. On uh, March 22nd, City Council is uh, set to tackle, it's called the Guidebook for Great Communities. And you can see it for yourself. It's up at uh, calgary.ca. So it's one of those things that, that has a nice sounding name, hard to get worked up about um, a guidebook. A guidebook is meant to guide you. It's it's meant to be helpful. Great communities, well, who wouldn't like great communities? But it's always important to read past the title. And so there's certainly some concern about some of these proposed changes. In fact, over 40 Calgary communities have signed on to a letter representing eight different wards asking council to postpone the hearing on the guidebook. So what exactly is going to change it? So there's some concerns about uh, what building forms or how building forms are going to change in terms of what uses are going to be permitted in neighborhoods. So this could affect row housing, single detached dwellings. So there's a lot of potential changes here. And so the, the name seems like a bit of a, a smokescreen because, look, and, and there should be an open debate and maybe there's some good arguments to be made for some of these changes, but... Yeah, it's something that's kind of flown below the radar, and, and maybe the, the name of this is, is part of that, to, to not rock the boat too much. But um, these would be some big changes. Someone who's been following all of this uh, very closely is uh, someone, of course, formerly on city council, may yet uh, again be Andre Chabot, former city councilor, former mayoral candidate, uh, currently a city council candidate uh, in Ward 10, which, uh, of course, doesn't have a councilor at the moment. But uh, Andre Chabot, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rob. So the guidebook to great communities, or guidebook for great communities, like I say, I mean, it, it sounds like a wonderful thing, but uh, there's there's a lot of concern here. So what do Calgarians need to know about this? Well, I guess the question becomes um, a guidebook uh, for great communities according to whom? I yeah. think it's the biggest question. And uh, depending on who you ask, especially folks that have traditionally lived in what they consider to be R1 neighborhoods, uh, might find what's being proposed here a bit disturbing because some of the recommendations in here include things that they refer to as, as low density, low intensity type developments. But low intensity and even modest intensity, the lowest scale that they that they see in this guidebook is still considered to be up to three stories and potentially up to eight units on what was traditionally a single-family lot. So that, I think, to most R1 folks would consider to be something a little more than just a modest intensity. And low intensity is considered up to six stories. So I'm sorry, but um, that is not what I think most Calgarians consider traditionally to uh, to be low-density type developments. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this could really change the character of some neighborhoods. So does this seem to be an emphasis on, on density or, or what's the, the underlying motivation for this? Well, uh, the 
the idea is is to try and create more complete communities and you know that direction has been given and in all of the greenfield areas and so they have responded to that the development industry all of the new new developed areas are built around these planning principles and that's that's perfect from a, a sustainability perspective especially when you start talking about sprawl and how much that's adding to the cost of the city well the new communities are designed specifically to mitigate the impacts of sprawl but they're trying to impose those same sort of criteria on some uh, existing developed communities that essentially they're trying to fix the errors of the past which I think a lot of people move into certain communities specifically because of the built form. So the other thing, too, by the way, yeah. I mean, to call this a guidebook, because what you're talking about, we'll go through some more of this, but these aren't suggestions. I mean, you know, this is is mandating a lot of changes. So I I don't know why this is being called a guidebook. That, That seems rather misleading, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know what? All of this, although administration will say to you that this has been an ongoing uh, thing for the last five years and there's been a pretty significant emphasis on it even in the last two years, um, but, I mean, take into consideration that we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And there's so many changes that have occurred in the last little while, and they say they've engaged Calgarians, but their method of engagement has all been online, either through Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram. Um, and 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 then they try and promote a more active lifestyle. Well, I'm sorry, but a more active lifestyle means less time in front of a computer. So how is it that they're preaching one thing, but then they're saying their engagement is another? It's just it's so it's so challenging for for you know volunteers in the community to try and keep up with all of the proposed policy changes that council is trying to put through lately. This, uh, the new MDP, uh, and now this new guidebook, and this guidebook will now help to direct uh, some of the changes coming up in the new land use bylaw, which they, they plan on doing a scoping report in April. I mean, all of this is all just coming so fast and furious. In fact, I just got an email here at 1.03 giving me an update on a, on a session that I took part of um, a, a while back, but at 1.03 today. So here I am talking about this guidebook, and I'm supposed to expect to have disseminated all this information that I got at 1.03 today to be able to speak more comprehensively to you uh, during this interview. It's just ridiculous the expectation they have on the everyday Calgarians to provide meaningful meaningful input into this document. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's got to be that meaningful input. And maybe it's it's not a coincidence then that we're, we're seeing, well, I think now, 42 communities that, that have asked uh, the, the city to postpone this March 22nd hearing, right? So there, there's definitely a perception out there that this has been, you know, below the radar, this is being rushed, that it, it just hasn't been that, that meaningful consultation. Yeah. And anyways, uh, you know, having been there for so many years, I can tell you there's a lot of good stuff in this guidebook. Um, but the biggest challenge from from many people's perspectives is that this will potentially saturate the market. And so, so when where will development actually occur? Where it is traditionally in the past, higher intensity use or increased intensity of use has been focused around very specific areas in the developed communities. But this guidebook is now proposing that it be more broad brushed. In other words, it could occur on 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 the entire block face of of, uh, of a single family residential uh, um, block, 
as long as it's within 600 meters of a transit station or that it uh, it uh, has a lane. Um, I mean, the criteria that prevents that is so limited that, for the most part, communities like Forest Lawn and Forest Heights, as an example, uh, this kind of redevelopment would be permitted pretty much everywhere. What about the concern? And I, one of the concerns I've seen expressed has been over what this could mean for uh, green space or, or even, you know, landscaping, trees, for example, that, you know, depending on what happens, like, for example, with uh, lot coverage, could we end up with, with less green space as a result of these changes? Well, certainly um, within individual residential lots, because as you said, yeah. it's going to go from 45% to 60%. And then you do talk about you know, making sure that the infrastructure is in place for certain things, uh, for, for that type of in, increased intensification. But they only talk about water and wastewater. They don't talk about overland drainage, because now if all of a sudden you have 60% lock coverage, there's way less um, permeable surface, and they don't talk anything at, at all about electrical. And they'll say, oh, well, electrical, that's no, that's no direct cost to you as a taxpayer. I'm sorry. But your utilities most certainly are, and any time the utility company has to upgrade their their um, infrastructure, guess what? You and I pay through a rate rider. Have you looked at your electricity bill lately? Probably two-thirds of your bill is rate riders and not actual energy. So we're in an election year, and it's possible that this will all be a done deal before Calgarians go to the polls. It will be a lot further along, potentially, depending on what kind of a pace we, we end up going on here. So what are your thoughts on, on what should happen next? Do we need to slow this down? Is this something that should even be put off until after the election, and, and maybe it can become an election issue? What do you think should happen here going forward? Well, the fact that there's so many people that have put so much time into this in the, um, in, in the public um, sector that are not supportive of many of the recommendations in, in the document, I think it should be put off. The city's planning on moving forward with a scoping report in April of this year on amendments to the land use bylaw. Well, guess what? If you start putting in terms like uh, um, low-intensity residential as opposed to low-density residential, you're now imposing some new sort of planning guidelines um, whereby three-story um, uh, 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 townhomes are considered to be low-density. Well, the general public doesn't necessarily see it like that, especially R1 residential um, homeowners um, and the the objectives that they claim, there's so many misrepresentations in the document, like, you know, zones A and zone B and talking about communities built prior to 1950, communities built prior to 1970. Well, I can tell you that many of the communities like uh, Calgary Marlboro, Marlboro Park and Abbeydale were not built prior to 1970, contrary to what the document says. <laughs> and and, uh, and some of the communities that were built prior to 1950 aren't even included, like they, like they jumped over some communities and imposed those kind of restrictions or these new development guidelines on communities like Forest Heights. Well, shoot, if you know where Forest Heights actually is, you would know that half of it wasn't developed until the 80s, 1980s, and yet they're included in Zone A. How does that work? 
So as of now, City Council is set to deal with this on uh, the 22nd of March. So, um, yeah, just over a week, for, uh, well, just under a couple of weeks from now. I guess we'll see if they stick to that timeline, but something people can uh, start to pay closer attention to, hopefully. Andre, we'll have a chance, I'm sure, to talk more along the way here, but appreciate you making some well, time for us here today. Lots more we could talk about, Rob, but thanks, yes, thanks for sure. including us. All right. Cheers, Andre. All the best. There you go. Uh, Andre Chabot, who's uh, looking to get back on City Council, uh, running in Ward 10 after an unsuccessful uh, run at the mayor's chair. So, um, yeah, some thoughts from him on this guidebook for great communities. But got a lot of other communities across the city that are saying, well, slow down a little bit here. You know, that we haven't had a chance to have a meaningful say on this. People, you know, in, in large part probably aren't even aware of a lot of this. So, sure, you can make an argument that there's an onus on people to to try to stay informed. And you can go to calgary.ca and, you know, in fairness, the, a lot of this stuff is is posted there. But look, I mean, the city hasn't gone out of its way, I don't think, certainly not from what we've seen, to make people aware of this. And just even the, the name for this, I don't, you know, it, it might seem silly to get hung up on, on the name and governments like to give, you know, feel good names to all kinds of different things. But to call this a guidebook, just right out of the gate, you're, I think you're misleading people. Because to me, the idea of a guidebook is, you know, here's what you could do if you wanted. Like if someone said to me, Rob, here's a guidebook for, you know, doing a great radio show. I'd say, oh, that's interesting. Let me take a look at it. Maybe there's some, some interesting things in that. But if what it actually was, was, Rob, here is how you are going to do things every day now going forward, well, that would be something else. So to call this a guidebook, I think, is misleading. Anyway, we'll take a break here. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.